0: Well, I'm delighted to introduce our speaker tonight. He's come all the way from Syria. Uh, He's over here with some other speaking engagements. We heard about that and took the opportunity to invite Pastor Edward to be here with us today, and uh, we're very glad we did. So, he's come with some others from Open Doors, and Andy will introduce that in a moment, and then uh, Pastor Edward will speak. So, he's a pastor in Damascus, Syria, and you're aware of what is going on, most of you, daily, bombs war, persecution, and uh, just an unbelievably surreal experience that most of us never even get a glimpse of here in the safe old US, uh, UK. So um, without any further ado, I think probably it's best to, if I introduce Andy and Edward, if you'd like to come up with, thrilled to have you with us. Welcome. Oh, good evening. It's fantastic to be here with you tonight. And I just want to give a, just thank you so much for your welcome, John and, and Debbie, and it's been uh, fantastic to uh, be here with you today, and uh, just it, just so exciting, I've heard so much about Trent Vineyard, but actually to be here and to hear, learn some of the things that you're involved in and all the things you do in your community, and to hear that you've uh, got um, some people here for refugees from Syria as well that you've taken in, it's just fantastic. I just want to just say I think you're doing a fantastic job here, and I uh, just want to really encourage you to keep going and all that God has for you um, here. So uh, yeah, I'm part of Open Doors and uh, I'm Director of Church Relations, so I get to travel around to different churches around uh, the UK just to say a little bit about um, what God is doing around the world today amongst our persecuted family. I don't know if you're aware, but um, we in the world today, there's over 100 million Christians who are persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. Just because they love Jesus and want to follow him, they're persecuted. They share the same faith as we have, but not uh, our freedom. And uh, we, uh, we just want to raise awareness of that so that we can together, as one body... Uh, support them, pray for them, but also journey with them and, and learn from them. And to help you do that, we've brought a few uh, resources um, that uh, you can feel free to take some. there at the back there uh, to the uh, my left over there, then please um, do help yourself. And so one of the first one is uh, a book called uh, God Smuggler. Uh, this is uh, Brother Andrew's story. I don't know if you've heard of Brother Andrew. 61 years ago, he started Open Doors, and he was uh, lying in his bed, and he read from Revelation where it says, uh, "Wake up and strengthen that which re- is that which remains and is about to die," and uh, he felt God clearly calling him to uh, the persecuted church in Eastern Europe and the Soviet. Uh, uh, Soviet Union, and uh, and also to China. And uh, in the book, you can even read about him smuggling one million Bibles to China in one go on a sh- in a shipment, which was just uh, amazing. He was one of those kind of guys that if you told him it wasn't possible, he uh, he would refuse to believe it, and he would go and, and, and do it. I had the privilege of meeting him soon after coming to Open Doors, and uh, I just uh, sat in his room and I said to him... Uh, could you give me some advice from someone who's been in this ministry for uh, 60 years and someone who's starting out fairly new? Uh, what, what would your advice be to me? And uh, he just looked me in the eye and he said, if I have my time all over again, I'll take more risk. And uh, this is a man who risked everything. <laughs> Uh, was willing to go across borders in a VW Beetle with hundreds of Bibles in the car uh, into countries where it was completely illegal, and uh, he probably would have uh, been in, put in prison, or who knows what would have happened to him if he had been caught. But every time, it, God seemed to uh, blind the eyes of the of the border control so that he could get these Bibles in. And today, um, it, the world has changed a little bit. And um, so we're still, uh, are still taking Bibles into uh, these countries, but uh, also we're taking aid to Christians. We're looking after families where they've lost a, um, a family member. Sometimes the, the husband or the pastor of the church has um, been put into prison, and so we look after the, the families. We're involved in, uh, in, in teaching leaders, in training leaders, in places where uh, they don't get training and don't get any material and uh, so we just feel really privileged to be involved in that. There is uh, the World Watch List. Is um, we produce it every year. And uh, there is a team, a research team, that, that travel around the world and, and look to see what is happening. And there are 50 countries on this World Watch list. You probably can't read them all. They're very small on there. But um, num- North Korea has been number one of that list for the last 16 years. In North Korea, if you own just a page of a Bible, that is enough to put you in, in labor camp uh, for the rest of your life. And not only that, but your children and your children's children will be stigmatized for their lives. Uh, it's just, uh, it, it, it's, it's, there is absolute zero tolerance. And yet, we're hearing stories of the church in North Korea growing. We know of at least 40,000 Christians right now in North Korea, which is fantastic. Um, there's also Syria which we're going to hear about in a minute that's number five on that list but we have a a guide for global persecution and in this guide there are it tells you the 50 countries gives you some information about them and how to pray for them and if you're here today and you'd love to pray for our persecuted family then please take one of these Uh, they're free and also the God Smuggler book is free as well for you today uh, if you'd like to take that we also have a report which goes into some of the detail some of the the research that has been done and uh, that report was launched in parliament in January and we had over 100 No, we had 106 MPs come to that launch uh, which was fantastic and I just want to encourage if you want a copy of that this morning um, everyone took those and we haven't got any left but if you'd like one we can get one to you Uh, so just let us know if you'd like one and we'll send one of those to you. It's a huge uh, privilege for me to, uh, to welcome uh, Pastor Edward. Uh, we, every day we get churches phoning us up saying we see what's going on in the news. We see what's going on in Iraq and Syria and we just want to pray but we don't know how. Could you help us? And um, in response to that we phoned and got in, got in touch with Pastor Edward and, and Rana, his wife, and said, would you come? Would you come and, and tell us? Uh, what is going on in the, in the country? What is going on behind all that we see on, on the news? What's God doing in your nation? Would you come and share it to the church in the UK? Because I think we would, could be so encouraged by that. Um, and uh, they, had, they agreed to come. Their visas were very difficult. We, it was the very last day before they came when they finally got their visas. Um, but I wanted, I'd like to ask you to give you a, a huge warm welcome to uh, Pastor Edward. Thank you.
1: Thank you. It's an honor and privilege to be with you this evening. You know, I don't know if you noticed, worshiping with you is quite a unique experience, although maybe I need some earplugs next time. (laughs) But I enjoyed the presence and the feeling of the presence of God in the midst. And your worship is really lively worship. God bless you all. I'm so excited to be with you because I trust that I have a message for you. I have a message of hope and a message of victory. I have a message that might really be needed in your own circumstances just today. And I always feel so excited because when I bring the word of God, I know that I'm bringing the word of life that can make change in lives of people. How much more if I want to bring together with the word of God what God has been doing in my country, an amazing work of God in spite of all the darkness that is covering our country at the present time. The hope comes from a wonderful, powerful God. The first verses in the book, in Genesis, describes the earth as a place of chaos, emptiness, and darkness. And God, in his sovereignty and power, said, let it be light. And there was light. And he changed the chaos to order. And the emptiness filled it with life. And the darkness with light. The same God, Paul says, who said, let light shine in our hearts. And light really shined in our hearts to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We worship a powerful God who deserves our praise and our songs and who even deserves our loud voice, shout to the Lord. He deserves because we know he is the Lord of hope. And actually, the only hope, not just the Lord of hope, the only hope is in our great God. Isaiah 700 years before Christ, writes wonderful words by the Holy Spirit that I find it apply perfectly on what's going on back home in my country. Isaiah 60 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Three distinct stages. Stage number one, describing the reality of the world that we are living in. Darkness, Covering the earth, thick darkness, the peoples. Stage number two, but over you, you are different. You are in the world, but not of the world. You are different. You are my ambassadors to the world. Over you, it's different. The Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. And what's the end result? Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. In my country, thick darkness, an image by satellite 500 miles over earth, shows that 83% of the lights in Syria went off through the crisis. And in some cities, like Aleppo, 97% of the lights went off. I know this is physical darkness, but actually it gives a true image of the depth of evil and pain and suffering that's going on in my country. And by God's grace, we will bring the light back to our country. It's very dark, deeply dark, so painful. Destruction everywhere. The first time I visited homes after it was more safe to visit the city, I was shocked to see a whole buildings and whole streets that collapsing completely. Destruction everywhere, not just in the buildings and the streets, but families. I can never forget this image, a man, a father, carrying his little son and holding the other one in his hand and his wife next to him in one hand holding a few plastic bags and in the other hand, the other son and going in the middle of the night to nowhere, confused, scared. They don't know where to spend the night. It's so frustrating to see fathers cannot offer security and cannot supply the basic needs for their children and their family. One father came to me and said, my son, every day when he's ready to go to school, he comes to me and say, dad, if anything happened to me or to you or to mom, you are to be blamed. You are not working enough for us to leave the country, go to a safer place. And the father said, I don't know what to say to my son. I live all my day under this fear, under this feeling of guilt that I should have done better for my family. Children and families and women, they leave from place to place, leaving their homes. They don't know where they are going and fear on their faces. It's very dark. Last month, we brought in children to to the church and just gave them a chance to draw and paint whatever expresses their emotions and their thoughts. And one child, he drew an adult figure holding hands with with a child and he writes with an arrow over the adult, I wish my dad comes back. For years, his dad never heard of, and he doesn't know whether he'll ever see his dad again. All his wish is to hold the hand of his dad again and just to enjoy the presence of his dad. It's very dark. It's deeply dark, it's very evil. We see evil face to face in the country. We never thought that people could kill that easily and enjoy killing and feel proud that they killed more people from the other party. It's so deeply dark. One young man, he was drafted to the army And one day in 2012, he was taken by the other parties. Jabhat al-Nusra, I don't know if you know those names. Jabhat al-Nusra is a very extremist Islamist party. And they are so militant and so hostile against anything called Christian, even wherever they go, the thing they do first, bring down the cross from over churches or anywhere and break the cross. They cannot tolerate seeing the cross over any building or over any church. And Rafi, this beautiful young man, he, is gradu- he was graduated from school as a computer science engineer, and he went to serve in the, in the army. And since 2012, he is away and we never heard of him. And his parents just waiting on the Lord, trusting that someday he will come back. It's very dark. But under this evil reality, how about the church of the living God? Should we close the church? pack our things, and just leave the country? No. We know that the Lord put us in that country to be the light of the world. The Lord put us in that country, and our roots go back to the days of Saul and Paul. You know the story of Saul? It happened on the road to Damascus. And you know, this image, Here, where Paul was lowered down over the wall of the old city, in that days, the straight street still there in Damascus. The church of Ananias is still there, as a witness to the living Lord, who can change the terrorist soul to the apostle Paul. It's still there. Should we leave the country? Our roots go that deep in history in that country. And uh, I think if those jihadists, they come with a message of killing and death and hatred from all over the world, and they are willing to die to serve their cause, how much more the church of the living God should stick there and stand with power, trusting the Lord with the message of life, the only message of life, and hope, forgiveness, and tolerance to bring the light back to the country, just to be the real ambassadors of Christ. Many countries pulled out their ambassadors from our country, and that was bad enough. But if heaven pulled out the the embassy of God in the country, that's a complete disaster, and very deep darkness, and there's no answer to this darkness. No, we are not going to leave the country. We will stay there, and we will hold our message of love, and our message of hope. The second stage, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Praise his name. Our pastor, one of our pastors there, had a message from Jabhat al-Nusra. And they told him, you have to be killed because you are Christianizing Muslims, and we cannot take that anymore. He has little uh, girls, three girls, And his wife and all his in-laws are already in the West, and they are pressuring his wife. What are you still doing there? It's so risky for you. He came over to Damascus and spent the day with us. We talked about it, prayed about it, and we told him we don't really, we cannot take responsibility for your decision. Just listen to the voice of the Lord and just do whatever you feel that the Lord wants of you. A week later, he and his wife called and said, we decided to stay no matter what. And he's still there serving the Lord, and the Lord is using him mightily at that town, at actually in the whole area there. The glory of the Lord rests on him and on his church. I can never forget that sweet lady in the church, Her husband was abducted and two months into his absence, her 24 years old boy was killed. She was devastated completely. For two months, she just locked herself up in the apartment, never wanted to pick up the phone or to see anybody. After two months, she came to our home, and she cried her heart out. She told us, this is so painful, I don't know what's going on. I know that the Lord used to teach me the hard way, but this is too hard for me to take. We visited her one day, and her tears was just rolling on her face. And she told me, Pastor, how can this happen? My heart is broken, I miss my son. For the last three years, he never saw a one good day. I wish I was next to him when he was killed. I don't know where he is buried, I cannot grieve Over his grave. I miss him. And my husband is somewhere I don't know where. And she told me, but pastor, at the same time, while I am in the depths of this pain, I am enjoying a heavy presence of the Lord with me like I never experienced in my life. And the Lord is using me even with my neighbors in a mighty way. How can this happen? The depth of pain and at the same time, the glory of God is resting over me. I told her, you know, this is the first time I understand what Peter said. When you are insulted and when you are in suffering for the sake of Christ, the spirit of glory and God dwells upon you. At the same time, it's so deeply depressing and painful, but at the same time, the sweet, glorious presence of our living God just lifts us up, and gives us the power to keep on just holding the gospel and the light of the gospel in our country. Paul has experienced something like that. Listen to what he says in his uh, Second Corinthians letter. We are hard-pressed on every side, not just hard-pressed, on every side. I say it's like a, a cooking pressure. You call it cooking pressure when you, you, when you, when you cook with the pressure from all sides, but not crushed, perplexed, many questions. We don't have an answer really perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Even the father of that little girl who lost her both feet, he looked at me and said, Laureen used to come to church on her own feet. But she will keep on coming to the church, and I will be her feet. I will still bring her to the church. And that really surprises me. Where can he get this power to face such disaster with with this victorious tone and victorious power? Um, Amelias, some stories that are, we are experiencing, it make, makes us believe that uh, the age of martyrdom is back. It's not just in history, but even right now. Amelia's, her husband, and his nephew, and her cousin, three of them were killed, shot dead, just because they refused to deny Jesus. One after the other. Can we see Emilias? And even her son was abducted at the same time and she never heard of him again. Also, Another lady, her 18 years old son, George, another heartbreaking story. She tells the story with tears, but at the same time, a sense of pride that her 18 years old refused to deny Jesus and told her, Mom, we are just visitors on earth. Don't cry if they kill me. Jesus said if you deny me before men I will deny you before my father in heaven and she is so proud that her son kept the word of the Lord and never denied his name قال امي لحنا ضيوف كل الوقت قال لي امي ضيوف ضيوفها ضيوف قال امي اذا رحت شهيد لا تبكي علي This lady really broke our hearts. She lost her son, and she's in a terrible situation. But at the same time, trusting the Lord, she knows that he is in glory ahead of her. The story of uh, Dr. Abdel Masih, he's a medical doctor, touches my heart very deeply. I know the man, and he's a wonderful Christian. He stayed in his village in Tel Jazeera although the threat was so close, the threat of ISIS. But he decided to stay just to give medical help to the people in his village and the neighboring villages as well. There was no doctors left there, so he decided to stay. Very sweet young man. He opened his house for Bible study and his life and his reputation, everybody loves him in the whole area. So sweet and loves the Lord. And Abdel Masih was abducted by ISIS and was shot dead within four months. He was abducted in April, shot dead in August. And through those four months, we never know what happened to Abdel Masih. But I tell you something, I have full faith that in glory we know what happened within those four months and how the Lord used abdul Messiah in the midst of those people. I'm Nusrani, Ashur, Biro, Rostum, Ibrahim, from the village of Taltamra, from the village of the I'm Nusrani, the Isa Mishair, from the 70s the village of Tal Tiltama
0: and an Australian Ashuri Abdel
1: Messiah Azaria and Mia, Molita Samir Salsabay, Menkari, Teljezir, and Ahit Tiltama. This is him before he was abducted and the time he was killed, and you can see that they starved him those few months before they killed him. I'm so proud that those people held to the faith and were willing to pay the ultimate price for their faith. Those are the new heroes of faith in our country. Not the big names, the well-known people, but the simple Christians who love the Lord and gave their heart to the Lord. Those are the people who are faithful to death because they trust the word of God and they'd rather die than denying Jesus Christ. Wonderful things are happening. Pastor Sammy and his wife, they lived in homes and they are still in Homs now, but through the heat of the crisis and the conflict and the fighting in Homs, they kept their daily schedule in ministry just as business as usual. His wife used literally to walk in the streets with bullets over her head, but she goes from home to home just to encourage children, encourage them to memorize verses of the Bible, and just to write letters to Jesus to find ways that they can hold to the promises of God and experience peace, supernatural peace from Jesus. Dr. Sammy volunteered in a nursing home one day a week, all his practicing days in homes. He's a medical doctor. And one day, he was out of his apartment, and the the whole area was blocked. He was not able to go back to his home. Just imagine. All his things are back home. And his children, three children, they lost everything. The nursing home gave gave him a room to stay in. I think if I was Pastor Sammy, I would spend some time just have self-pity and mourn and just complain and ask God why. You know, Pastor Sammy and his wife kept on his, their schedule daily and weekly their ministry. They go from place to place. They went to Feruzi, seven kilometers away from homes. They went to the Valley of the Christians about an hour drive because his people were dispersed in those areas just to follow up with them and to encourage them with the word of God. I told him more than one time, Pastor Sammy, please come to Damascus. Just spend a few months. Let's see when homes gets better. He said, don't worry about me. I live in a very strong tent. And you know what? Time proved that he was right. His tent was very strong. And he served the Lord, and the Lord used him mightily in homes and in the neighboring areas as well. We learned to pray this this prayer of the apostles. Lord, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And the Lord is given the church the boldness and the power to keep on. Because by God's grace and power, we will bring the light back to our country. We will bring the light back to our country. Nobody else can bring those values of love and forgiveness, like the church of the living God. Nobody else can be part of this spiritual battle that's going on in the country. There are many people who know better in politics and much more experts in economics and, of course, in military affairs. But none of them can be part of this spiritual battle other than the church of the living God. And we are involved in that battle. And thank you, because many of you are together with us in the same battle, sharing this with us this struggle and battle before the Lord, so the Lord can bring the light back to our country. Praise God, the church lost many of its members everywhere in the country. But at the same time, all the churches are being filled of new people who are coming seeking for hope and peace and help and support in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's very hard to lose your own members, especially people who are involved in ministry and very active in ministry, especially at times when we need more people to help with the heavy burden and heavy load of ministry. But the Lord never failed us at all. Always new people come. Always he raises new people. We have baptisms twice a year, not just our church. All the churches. And the Lord is bringing new people into the church. And this particular baptism you see, I just remembered when I saw those lovely people here. We have two of the people who were baptized who have hearing disability. And this is, I think, the first time in the country some of those people came to Christ and they, had, they were baptized after their faith. We have ministry among them, beautiful ministry, and I always like to say they have better ears to hear than the people who have natural ears because they are hearing the word of God and responding with with the love of the living God. The church is full and baptisms twice a year and we can hear and hold to the promise of the Lord. I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength. And I like this part because, yes, we have little strength. We are a small minority in the country. We don't have the power of uh, positions and high positions in the country. We don't have uh, militia or any armed people to help us. We are little in every meaning of the word, but we know that this is the way the Lord works. His power is completed in our weakness. Because you have little power, little strength, but you kept my word and you did not deny my name because you stayed faithful to the end, I will, op- I will place an open door before you and nobody, no one can shut. This is exactly what we are experiencing The last part of Isaiah, in Isaiah 60, verse three, the nations will come to your light and kings to the rising of your dawn. This is what's happening back home in in my country. This small village, I told you about the ministry of Pastor Sammy Faerouzi, just not last Friday, the Friday before, we started a new church there with Pastor Sammy pastoring that church and started that church. Nations will come to your light. I, After we lost four churches in remote areas, and two of them were almost abandoned, we just used them in occasions, I thought, I will make some calculation within this crisis. Did the church lose more churches or gain more churches? So I put this map together, and guess what? We won. More churches were open, new centers were open. Even in areas where uh, usually blocked completely, in front of the church. But miraculously the Lord opened doors, and nobody and no one can shut. Yes, Yazidis. Yazidis came fleeing from Iraq to the northeast part of Syria. And right there in their camp, five thousand people, the church there had just established a tent inside the camp with the words written on the tent, this is the tent of Jesus is the light of the world. And people there in the camp come to this tent just to talk and just to ask questions and get some support and some love and whatever they need. Also, the first time in, in uh, Damascus, the Ministry of Social Affairs Asked our church to care for girls in juvenile detaining center. And for the, the full last year, four days a week, four hours a day, girls and women, volunteers from the church, they go and help those girls to just understand the real values in life and they teach them everything skills, writing. And uh, and just more than anything else, just support, emotional support, and everything they can just to help those girls. And the impact on on those girls is amazing. Not just on the girls, even on the instructors in the center. It's so encouraging to see the hand of the Lord working so mightily. Not just, uh, we have a group in the church very active group they go once a week or every other week and they visit nursing homes cancer hospital physically disabled school orphanages and i like you to see the the uh, this clip in the orphanage just to see how those kids are just singing joyfully to the lord Nursing homes, orphanages, they tell us we don't need anything. Don't, you don't need to bring gifts or anything. Just come, bring your guitars, and spend time with those kids or with those elderly people. They love it. This is uh, just they feel that there, there is somebody that really cares for them and would give of his time, sit and talk and encourage and bring the word of God for them all. Yes, darkness is covering the earth, and very thick darkness over my country. Deeply evil and deeply dark what's going on. But by God's grace, we will bring the light back to our country. The church will stay holding the witness of the gospel, and the light of the gospel in that dark country last christmas we had wonderful chance it was very risky to go to the old city the gate of thomas but we prayed about it we got ready and we decided to go and sing christmas carols and songs to bring joy to the area and some light to the darkness And the Lord blessed that time mightily. People came from all over, just celebrated with us. Damascus is not very wet city. And for almost a few weeks, it was dry completely. Only in that one hour, while the choir was singing, poured rain. (laughs) And everybody, Stood, kept on singing. People came with their own umbrellas. And really, it was great joy in the area. But you know why it was raining that time? Because when it is raining, all the bombing stops. They don't send any bombs while it's raining heavily. And we praise God that we were protected and really joy was spread at that area at that time. I want to just to see this uh, clip at this historical place in Damascus. Amen. By God's grace, we will bring the light back to our country. God bless you. Thank you very much.